because I get to talk about the love of God. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but the love of God is just something that I could talk about all day, every day. I'm going to try to put this down without it making a loud noise. Oh, that's good, good. All right, nice. Um, the love of God is so incredible, and I hope, I hope that when I speak about the love of God, I mean, we always say, like, oh, God loves you, God loves you, you know, and, and it becomes, like, kind of white noise to us sometimes, but, um, you know, if we really think about the love of God and the fact, like, I hope there's nothing, there's nothing that's greater to you than knowing that God loves you, um, that the God who created the entire world the God who, um, you know, you look back to Genesis, this is a God who's not just a God of, of love, but of power and, and of wrath. And, and a God that has everything in, in control. And, and in heaven right now, there are a hundred million angels who are bowing down, who can't even lift their face because he's so good. You know, it, it's weird that we, that we like, because we say God is good, God is good, God is good. And, and in, in a lot of ways, that's one of the most incredible truths for us. But in a lot of other ways, that's actually really bad news for us that God is so good. Because we aren't. And, uh, and it's this God, it's this God that is so good. And there's a there's hundred million angels bowing down to him. And to know that that God who created all of this, in this room, in, in this city, in this, in this country, and in this world, and in this universe... Um, I love to study the, how big and how vast the universe is. How I, I, I don't know as a whole lot, but I know like even even if you look at like the planet Earth versus the Sun, like we're on this Earth right now and we're spinning at uh, I believe it's like something like six thousand miles per hour. I'm looking at Toby because I know Toby probably knows this stuff, but we're spinning around. Super, super fast, and we just feel like we're just standing here. And at the same time, there's there's a sun, there's a bigger ball that's a million times the size of the Earth alone, and it's burning at this unbelievable temperature. And if we were a little bit closer to this sun, then we would all burn up and die. And if we're a little further away, we'd all freeze. And and the amazing, amazing um, like order that's been put into this world is is unbelievable unbelievable and there's a god who who's so much bigger than that sun that's a million times bigger than the earth which is way bigger than i am right here standing here and and that god loves you and i can say this this stuff but like i i hope that we can kind of grasp it a little bit more i hope it's not just oh god loves me cool you know um it's so much bigger and uh, I, I love that we sang that song, Reckless Love. And, uh, and it, it mentions, um, uh, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That this is, a, this is a love that's not, it just doesn't make sense to us. We, we have our ways of loving, and God has his ways. And God's ways are a lot better. And, and it, it's funny, because um, that verse that talks about how, like, you know, the shepherd has his 99 sheep who are all in, in their pen and safe. But God, the good shepherd, leaves to go find the one, right? And I, I remember, like, the first couple times I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, you know, totally. Like, I would totally leave the 99 to go for the one. Um, and, and the more I've kind of, like, thought about that, the more I'm like, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, actually. Because one sheep 
is 1%. And if I want to look at it like a, like a business, like a 1% loss is not all that bad if I have 99 secure ones, you know. And like, and if you, if you look, that just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to go after the one. And that's not who God is. And I love that it brings that up. And I, I used to think that I was like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. And it doesn't. It just doesn't. And I, I, I love that God leaves the 99 because he knows he wants the one. Because I was the one. And I was the one that he chased after and he left the 99. And, uh, and so I hope uh, this morning as, as I share um, out of Romans 8 for the fourth week in a row, uh, we're on part four, uh, but uh, we could go on with this chapter all year long because it's so, so good. Um, but right in the end, and, and uh, Sean read it. Um, he read the last three verses. And I want to start just by reading a little bit more of it. Um, and uh, I didn't put it on the page because there's a lot. And, uh, but I just want to like, essentially what's going on is, is through, through Romans, this epistle, Paul has been building the gospel and, and talking about the amazing truths. And he starts with who God is and he makes sure that you know who God is in Romans chapter 1 as he talks about, you know, that we all have gone astray. We all put our hope in other things, that we all worship other things that are less, lesser than God and things that he created. And, and it talks about the wrath of God and it talks about this, this, it puts God essentially like it gives you a perspective of him, not just God. You know, and gives you some perspective, and it and it's building these truths of this incredible gospel. And chapter eight is all about how uh, how we're living in the spirit, and how how those who have accepted and decided to follow Jesus and given their life to Him, not only giving you know giving Jesus the the position as like you're going to be you're saving me, but also the position of you are now my Lord. You are now my, my king and I follow you and I, I actually listen to what you do. You're not like, you know, the president of the United States where we don't necessarily want to listen to him or, you know, he's, he's a good king and he's one that, that it doesn't matter what his rules are. We know that they're better. Um, and so it's that position. So uh, those, those who have received God have received his spirit and it talks all about life in the spirit in chapter 8. And it gets kind of to the end here, and, and it, it goes into the Spirit, and then it talks about how because you have the Spirit, that's the sign that now you are, you're adopted. You've become adopted as sons and daughters of God, as, as heirs of His throne. And so like everything that Jesus did in His perfect human life that He lived, um, and all the reward that He will get from that is now ours. And we have now received that sonship, that air um, of God, and, and it's incredible. And it talks a little bit about the, the future hope that we're going to have. Yeah. And, and then right at the end, Paul is saying at the end of chapter 8, he's, he's basically laid out everything, and he says, he says this, What then shall we say to these things? Knowing that um, this, this gospel, this God leaving the 99 to the 1, is... Um, there's going to be people who are going to doubt it. There's going to be people who are going to say, well, no, God's, not, God's love isn't like that. And, uh, and he's uh, anticipating people to ask questions against him. So I'm just going to go ahead and read from 31 down to uh, verse 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Is it God, or it is God who justifies? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall, um, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love how he like lists out so many things. He's like, in case I missed one, let me just keep keep adding things. And then at the end, he's like, he's like, well, in case I miss anything else, anything else in all creation, just put it all in there. There's nothing, nothing that can separate us. And and uh, and what he's kind of building on is this idea that that when you become a son of God, when you become a daughter of God, that's you know, what God has brought together, you know, that when he talks about marriage, what God has brought together, let no man separate. And that's something that can't be separated. And, and people are going to ask questions because what we want to do and what we want to say, and I get into this all the time, especially working in ministry, I see people make these pro professions of faith. And then I have the idea that, okay, all right, now we want to start seeing you do good stuff. And as soon as they stop doing good stuff, I start saying, oh, well, you know, they... They fell away, you know. They're like, I'll just leave them. And, and, and we have this idea that, that even though they became a son of God, now I, I don't fully know, you know, if someone's truly uh, given their life to Christ. That's up to God. That's him. But, like, but I discredit them so quick, and I discredit the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel says that, that once, you, once you become a son of God, you can't not become a son of God. Once you become adopted, you are adopted for life. And, and it's, this, it's, it's Paul addressing these, these questions that he know will come um, because, of, because of what he said. And, and he says earlier in the chapter, and, and he, he says, talks about, he's talking about the Spirit of God. Um, and he says, those, those of you who have the Spirit are in Christ. Uh, but then he says, let me see, uh, in verse 9, he says, uh, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the, but are in the spirit. If in fact you have the spirit of God, or if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. And and this this idea that the spirit, the Holy Spirit in our life, is the sign that we have been cleansed. In the in the same way, the Old Testament they built these big beautiful temples, and there was like these special rooms on the inside, and the holy of holies, and they did all these rituals to purify this space because not only was the human race um, stained by sin and we were dirty or unclean, but also like the world had become unclean. And so they had to do all these, you know, sacrifices and stuff and they had to like literally sprinkle blood all over stuff to signify that like this had been sacrificed for this. The, the uncleanliness of this has been, has been 
made clean. Um, and it was the sign that it was clean, the sign that it was um, essentially like ready for the, uh, the presence of God was that the Spirit of God came in. And that was the sign in the Old Testament. And so in the same way, under the New Covenant, as being, you know, if, if we put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus and we make him our Lord and Savior and we make him our King, you know, it's that same sign that, that Jesus' blood, we talk about, it's weird that we talk about Jesus' blood all the time, but, but it's, so, it's so beautiful, his blood, because when we do that, his, his blood is, is metaphorically, I mean, you're not going to have blood sprinkled on you, but is metaphorically washing you clean. And, and the sign that that has washed you clean is the Spirit of God comes in. Just like in the Old Testament. You know how we say that our body is our temple? Well, that's what it means. Is that your body is the temple of God. And the sign that you are a son of God or a daughter of God is that the Spirit has come into, the, into your body. And now you get to be... You, it's, not that, it's not that when I become a Christian I start to be better and I look more like Jesus. Is that, is that no, I'm allowing Jesus to, to be Jesus in me. It's not as though I'm, I look like Jesus more. It's Jesus looks like Jesus in me. And, and that's the idea. And, and, and so Paul is just, is just continuing to build this. And, and like, I, I love it because the only thing, like, if I were to, if I were to like ask questions and say, I don't think God loves you, or I, th- I think there are things that could separate you from God. Um, he addresses two. And, and I think these are the only two um, and that's a person can separate you from God because there are lots of people that like to separate us from God. There are lots of people, you know, it's Jesus came and he said that I'll, I'll divide people, I'll divide families. And like, you know, people don't like the fact that I'm a believer, you know, and they might not say that to you every day. But but in fact, like, it's it's true. Like, if I have a non-believer in my life, like the fact that I have now given my life to Christ could mean very bad things. If I were hypothetically in a relationship where my significant other was not a believer, she's laughing. <laughs> if, hypothetically. If I was in a relationship where my, my significant other wasn't a believer, that would be a problem. That would be a big problem, and especially a problem for, for her, because like, you know, she's like, well, I, this sucks. Like, now, now he's going to do all these other things that I have no idea about or I don't want. And it'll create division. And so, um, so Paul addresses that in, let's see, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God or from the love of Christ? Um, who shall separate us? And he addresses that. And then later, so there's a, no person can separate us. And then there's no circumstance. What, you know, what can separate us? And he says, for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers. So he's actually talking about both here. But like no circumstance can separate you. And, and I, I love even looking at those first two. Neither death nor life. Paul talks about this uh, in one of his other epistles. He says, well, if I were to die, then that's great. Because I'm united with God in heaven. Like, that sounds awesome. So like, that's even better. Really, like, you know, I'd rather be with be with Jesus. This is hard. I get injured all the time. You know, like I I go through hardships. It's like life is tough. You know, it would be better. You know, in some ways for me to die. Um, but then he's like, but then, but if I were to die though, then like I wouldn't get the opportunity 
to share this amazing love with the world. And so God's using me here. And so like, you know, and, and so to live as he says, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And so like death or life can't separate you. They're both in benefit uh, to your relationship with God. And so I love that. And he addresses these these questions because, you know, a lot of us, when we hear the good news of Jesus and we hear how reckless and crazy it is that that despite me in my, you know, I, I can look at it, I, I often look at it in two different ways. There's the me, you know, five years ago when when I was not a believer, when I didn't follow Jesus and I just went after my own way and I had no desire to follow God. I just, you know, when I felt like I should do something that was nice, I would do something that was nice, but then when it wasn't convenient, I'd, you know, just do my own thing. And really, like, the nice things I did were only for my benefit because I felt better about myself after. Um, and so there was, there was the idea that, that I accepted the love of God for my, for my being made a son of God. But then there's now today and, and later on that I'm, that I'm looking at the, at the love of God and I'm saying, so you're, you're actually telling me that there's nothing that I can do to fall out of your love. There's nothing that I can do to, you know, to gain more from you. And, there, and you're also telling me that there's no amount of, of sin or falling away that I can do to ever fall away from you. Uh, and I'm like, I'm like, that's, I don't know, like, you know, I, there's some days. There's some days that are really tough. And there's some days that I struggle a lot. And I think there are days that we all struggle a lot. And so I look at the first one and say, oh, like, yes, Jesus is awesome. Like, I'm going to come to him. I'm going to follow him. I give my life to him. And it's amazing. And, and those that, I feel like it's easier to believe the gospel on that day because you're like, I can clearly see that this life that I live where, where I'm doing my own thing and I'm following my ways, you know, I clearly see that that is incredibly harmful for me. And, and then I'm like, okay, Jesus, just take it. You know, take the wheel. <laughs> and, uh, and, but today, it, it seems like it's almost harder for me to believe the gospel. And, and the greatest thing about the gospel um, is, that, is that it's not just... It's not just for the day that you got saved. It's not just for that day. It's for every day moving forward. And, and in fact, the hardest thing that we'll ever do in our life as believers, it's not learning how to pray. It's not learning how to read our Bibles. It's, it's not learning how to love others. It's not learning how to do ministry or preach a sermon. It's not, it's not any of that. The hardest thing for us as believers is to actually believe the gospel to actually believe that Jesus died for my sins and that I don't I can't do anything. There's no amount of coming up and, and you know loving people or, or encouraging people or preaching a sermon or praying or or whatever. There's nothing that I can do that would put me in better standing. And then there's also nothing that I can do to put me in worse standing. Even if I if I sin and I struggle and I'm I have a season of, of serious doubt. There's nothing. Because it's not up to me. It's up to God. And I think my hope this morning is just, you know, I, I love getting to just talk about the gospel because, oh wow. <clears throat> because it's just, 
It's such good news. And I hope, I hope this morning, as, as I've spoken, that it's, that it's stirred something in your hearts. You know, oh my gosh, I'm not actually like sad right now. I'm just like, there's something in my throat. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's convenient on this really like intense part of the sermon. I like get like choked up, but I'm not actually choked up. I, I really hope that, you know, we don't, need, we don't need more methods to learn how to share this good news with people. Our hearts just need to be stirred for it. Because we talk about what we love. We all talk about what we love. We talk about what we love and we talk about what works. And so, <laughs> I hope that this, this stirring of your hearts toward the gospel is enough to, to remind you that you love Jesus. To remind you what he's done for you. And for your heart to just overflow. Motivated by his love. And I hope it's working. I hope the gospel's working for you. Because I know, I know that as I've, as I've grown in my faith. The times where. You know when I, when I was younger. When I was like. First year in my faith. I, what, I, what would happen was I would when I would sin, because I still thought it was about what I did, when, I, when sin would creep into my life, I would, I would just hide, and I would just curl up in a ball and just be like, God, like God doesn't want to see me right now because I did something against Him. I was, I, was, you know, I was separating myself from God, and I had this understanding that that's what I should do. I should hide. And that what I didn't realize was that the very hiding from God was just as much sin as the actual, like the specific sin that I did. And, and for me to hide from God was just continuing in this process of, of destruction, really. And, and it's, it's been incredible as, the, as God, you know, it has just washed me clean over and over and over and reminded me of the gospel. And, and when, even when I, do, when, I, when I do something really cool, and fruit happens, and, and God does something amazing in my life, I, I know that it's not like, oh, yeah, look what I did. I'm so good. Yeah, woo. You know, and I, and I say, it's all Jesus. And, and in the same way, when, when I fall short and when I struggle, I, I'm just, all, all it is is I'm reminded, wow, like, God, your grace is so good that even in this moment, this, this incredible love that you chased me down and left the 99 for me, and, and it's funny because we always think, oh, I have good days and bad days. But in reality, they're all good days. Because if you're reminded of the grace of God in your bad days, that's a good day. And if, if in the good days, you're actually reminded that it wasn't you who did it, it was actually God, that's also a good day. There are no bad days. And in the beginning of Romans chapter 8, there's, no, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who have been adopted, there's no condemnation. I, I want to I be clear, though, that this last part, and, and most of Romans chapter 8, because it talks through it, but, but this last part, um, you know, it, when we talk about the love of God, the love of God extends to, to everyone, the world. You know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That includes everybody. 
Not, not like just followers of Jesus. Not just people who, who pursued him. And you see that um, when Jesus was, was standing in front of Pilate. And the, the other man was this guy named Barabbas. And he was, he was a rebel. He was a murderer. Um, you know, and he rebelled against Rome. And, and Jesus could have spoken up and been released. But he stayed silent. And, and it was his love towards Barabbas that let Barabbas go free. Now, did Barabbas ever, you know, turn to Jesus? I, I don't know. It doesn't, certainly doesn't say. It doesn't really, and, and from his procession, it didn't really seem like there was any, you know, sign of him being like, oh, wow, Jesus, you, you did it all. You set me free. I'm going to turn to you and follow you. I don't, you know, I don't know that there was any of that. Um, and, and so God shows his love to the whole world in that uh, everything here, like there's so much that is good that God has given us here in this world. But specifically, this, this good news that we speak of in the gospel, and the good news about how we become sons and daughters of God, is very, this is very specific. It's very specific to those who have His Spirit. It's very specific to those who are sons. You know, when it says nothing can separate us, it's for those who have been joined back because we were separated. And there are many in this world that are still separated. And you can't, we can't say, for I am sure uh, that nothing can separate us if we've, if we've been separated and we haven't been joined back together. If we're still separated, then you can't say nothing can separate us because you're already separated. Um, and, and, Many of us in this in this room today um, are sons of sons and daughters of God, and, and it's a, it's beautiful and it's amazing to see how the Spirit works. But there are probably some of us in this room that aren't. There are probably some of us in this room that that may not have the Spirit of God. And my prayer, uh, in the same way, you know, when we look at Romans chapter one and it talks about how we put our faith in other things that aren't aren't God. We put our faith in snowboarding and skiing. We put our faith in our kids, our families, our schools. That we would turn from that. And know that the greatest thing in the world is to know the love of God for us. That's revealed in Christ. I want to end with a prayer. Father, thank you. For your reminder of the good news today. Thank you that it was never about what I did. Because I fall short all the time. We fall short all the time. Father we thank you that you leave the 99. And you seek out the one. God I ask that. This morning if we are the one. That you are seeking. I pray that we wouldn't keep running. I pray that we we turn and, and we would look to you. And allow the good shepherd to find us. God we love you. And we thank you that you've done all the work to seek us out. And we're just wandering. Father turn us to you. Motivate us by your gospel. We pray all these things in your Holy Son, Jesus' name. Amen.